Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, always happy to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big and some don't make it at all. This week, we will be reviewing Work Life with Adam Grant. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Let's make sure everybody knows who Adam Grant is, right? He is an author, right? So seven, seven books, I think. I'd call him a professor, though, first. I think that's where he got his start. Kind of a renowned professor of organizational psychology at, uh, at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. You know, every year voted, you know, for years and years voted, uh, you know, most popular professor at that college. And has turned it into a, a podcasting career and author. So I'm um, looking at my notes. He has authored seven books, including two New York Times bestsellers uh, titled Think Again and Originals. So he has done quite well as an author. And I recall, too, he has a newsletter called Granted, uh, a play on his name, that uh, reportedly has over 100,000 subscribers. So he was pretty successful prior to podcasting, I guess, would be the, the conclusion there, right? So yeah. for any that don't know Adam Grant, I, I will say, oh, he's also a, a TEDx guy, right? He's done the, the TEDx talks as well. And he is, well, this podcast is actually produced right, part by of the, TED, the TED, TED umbrella organization. Yeah, right. They call it the audio, yeah, TED audio. I'm Adam Grant, and this is Work Life, my podcast with the TED Audio Collective. I'm an organizational psychologist. I study how to make work not suck. In this show, I take you inside the minds of fascinating people to rethink how we work, lead, and live. All right. So we picked an episode. Which one did yeah, we pick? Actually, yeah, the one we the one you first had me pick. Um, or at least I saw the notes that you made, Derek, and you you had me listen to one where he interviewed a musician, yep. John Baptiste, and you also recommended that I listen to an interview on pitching. Mm -hmm. And then I had the opportunity to listen to a um, conversation he had with Malcolm Gladwell. So I'm 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 actually glad this time that we did uh, more than one focused on on multiple because I think it it gives a bit of a representation as to what he's trying to do here. What interested me about Adam Grant about this podcast was the fact that he was going to talk about work life. This is a topic I'm fascinated by, the intersection of life and work. And so I was, I was really quite interested in this. But the first one that I listened to was about a musician. And he didn't tie this, in my opinion, really into the work life theme. It was really just a conversation about this musician, John Baptiste, who's recently I think been nominated or had been nominated and, and may have won many Grammys is not an artist I um, am not familiar with, but I really quite liked him. He was obviously enormously sharp and capable and was an interesting listen. 
it really did go away, in my opinion, from the work-life theme. And I prefer when I tune into a podcast, I like to know what I'm going to get. So this one was really just an interview with a musician. If it was me, I would have worked in, what is it about being a musician? Tell me a little bit about the, the work component. How do you succeed? How do you get into the business? That, you know, I would have gone down that route. So that was, that straight a little bit, I think, for me, from where I would have liked to have seen it gone. I preferred. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, the I second get one. Some of it. So let me just chime in there a little bit on on that one, which was called "Taken for Granted" with John yeah. Batiste, and yes, a New Orleans musician. So I thought it was a good podcast. It was a good story. I agree. So it was the first one I listened to also, and I went work life. I, I don't really get it. Is it really right. work life he's talking about here? Because yeah, we didn't talk about a work environment or the day to day, you know, how do right. you, and he, how do and you he do didn't, this? Yeah. I feel like he didn't know what to do with this guy. It, he cut it short. It was only a half hour. So it was you know yep. typically 10 minutes less. And so he just kind of talked to this guy. And then by listening to the next one, where he interviewed this woman who had um, pitched him mm -hmm. a business opportunity, and Adam initially did not bite on it, but he decided to turn it into a podcast on pitching. Um, yeah. And you could see this episode really showcased Adam Grant's strengths. So the format that he used in this one was very similar to uh, another podcast we did, Maya Shanker, who also mm. has a PhD and who also is a bit of an academic. And so she would use this technique where she would go, she would cut the interview, she would come offline and she would delve into perhaps the statistics around you know what kind of things work in pitching and and really showcased uh, his expertise as a professor and yet he couldn't and yet he didn't do that on the John Baptiste interview he never broke out he never you know decided that he was going to you know interlay some organizational psychology um, you know statistics and so I much preferred the pitch one just because I think it was really uh, much more representative of what the kinds of things you would get in the classroom if you were, um, you know, if you had Adam Grant as your professor. That one was a, a much more interesting discussion. Yeah. And there was- well, you, you raise a good point there because I hadn't really thought about him as, you know, Professor Adam Grant. But right. in this, the second one, right? And it's from April called um, How to Pitch Your Best Ideas, uh, April 25th of, of this year, 2022. Uh, by the way, the, the other one, the, the John Batiste one, is actually from May, is just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, very recent. Both of these are very recent ones of his. So they are examples of his current work in this uh, media. But you're right, the how to pitch your best ideas was quite, I didn't think of it as academic at the time, but you're right, it did, he's very kind of teachy uh, in that right. one and laying out, and in this case, uh, well, particularly with with Jessica, the first guest on there, um, he's really coaching her, right? He's telling her how to pitch. And, and basically, he critiqued her original pitch, right? She'd sent an email to him asking him to invest basically in her, um, her company, which is called Ours, uh, a relationship wellness company. And yeah. he 
he didn't like her pitch basically. And no. he sent her some feedback and she never got back to him. So he goes after her. Basically he yeah. reached out to her to see, you know, how she felt about the feedback and then invited her to be on. And there were a couple of things I really liked about it. One is of course, uh, you know, me, I like academic kind of things, right. Where I've got really right. a structure and he's got these bullets. He had three different specific myths he wanted to um, go like after. Dispel, yeah dispel exactly and um and he did that in a very structured way but one of the things i loved about this one as an example for other podcasters was that he didn't waste time there's no fluff <laughs> he gets right to it he had a great hook at the beginning um and we'll we'll play part of that for you guys we all give pitches at work when you give a speech you're pitching a vision when you make a suggestion in a meeting, you're pitching an idea. When you apply for a job, you're pitching yourself. Pitching can feel like selling, but you don't have to be a great salesperson to give a great pitch. And sometimes, less selling is more. He has a purpose, right? And he sticks right to that. He goes through his three areas that he wants to cover with her. Um, they're well-structured. There's musical transitions. So you kind of know when he's crossing from one point to the next point. And then he wraps it up with her, you know, and it's kind of, it's clean so and I concise. Think if, yeah. I think if you're a professor, you know, that's, you know, you're good at that. You, you don't, yeah. as a professor, you don't, you know, reiterate things. Basically, you know, if you've yeah. got a 40 minute class or a, that's your thing, right? You get through the material. It's not repetitive. If you're a professor, to me, this is the ultimate medium, right? What better way to get kids to sign up for your class than to, you know, do a pod, even if you do a podcast once a month, at least the content is there. Kids can listen to you. Um, I appreciate yeah. it if you're Adam Grant, you know, there's lots of content out there, but if you're an, you know, entomology professor or you teach physics, and I know your brother's professor teaches pharmacology, you know, why not have a podcast every month? At least the content is out there. The kids can listen to it. I think it's the ultimate yeah. medium. For That's the, an interesting for the professor class. Interesting angle on it, and I I don't disagree with you. I will say that just from a style, taste, you know, what do you like kind of thing, I liked, you know, how to pitch your best idea better than the taken for granted episode. But you know, for some people, they would, I assume, would prefer the more kind of random dialogue that happened in take it for granted, right? How to pitch your best ideas was clearly a lot of it was scripted and prepared. Uh, there was a little bit with her that was kind of off the cuff where she was trying to kind of react on the fly to things he was asking her, but his parts in it were very scripted. And as you pointed out, in some cases kind of offline, right? Where he just edited in, oh, let me explain this point I'm trying to make, right? And then played part of uh, her dialogue. Right. Well, I, I, yeah. I really like this format. We've seen this format work with other podcasters. Um, and again, if you come at it from an academic angle, that this can be very effective. It allows you to overlay your expertise, data, statistics. In, you know, in this case, it worked, right? He was able to. Um, yeah. And I will a, say, professor. So I thought his content was, was very good. And he contradicted some of the things you do hear about pitching and things I've heard people recommend to folks who are pitching so so i thought that was good too that he 
wasn't afraid to, to go against the grain a little bit and say, yeah, no, you don't need to be passionate. Right. It's not passion. I, I, there was a lot care of good, about the numbers and you, and you yeah. don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be, you know, overly enthusiastic, right. The, yep. the guy, the people that come out and are, are just crazy enthusiastic for their idea. It's <laughs> yes. those, those people are not necessarily the winners either in the pitch, in the pitch game. Um, yeah. I like, uh, or I think or I overly like, confident, uh, right. He didn't like overly confident, which, um, so I thought that was also an interesting distinction he makes well with her is the challenge between formats, right? So pitching live, actually talking to somebody, uh, particularly if you can, you know, you're face to face or on a video call and they can see your face and see your sincerity and what you're saying versus an email. And her original pitch to him came through email. And so Correct. it lost yeah. a lot of her personality and, and clearly she was much nicer in person than his perception of her through the, the email. And so, so right. I thought that was kind of a valuable lesson too to people to think about, you know, the same words you could get away with spoken when you're looking somebody in the eye and they can see you're smiling and they can see who you are and your personality comes through some versus just a cold email. The same words may resonate very differently. So right. I, I thought that was, uh, that was good. But I like the fact that he then transitioned to a very different angle on the same topic. Right. So he brings on Franklin Leonard. Franklin's a, a, like a screenwriter. Right. And he um, got frustrated in the industry with uh, screenplays that were rejected that he thought were really good ones. And, and part of his job, I guess, was also reviewing some of these screenplays. And he ended up publishing a, uh, a uh, he created a publication of overlooked screenplays called The Blacklist. And this has become apparently very, very successful. And so again, a screen play, right? When you submit your, your screenplay to, to a movie maker, right? Or somebody who you want to produce it, you're basically pitching your concept for a show, sure. right? Or a movie. So it is pitching. It's an idea you're trying to get. I, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons on this podcast. So obviously he started off with this interview with this woman who was, you know, pitch had pitched to him in an email and he wasn't quite sure. She'd said some things like, oh, we've got the greatest team in the world. And he thought that was a bit over the top. Um, yeah. And then it transitioned, but he'd obviously had this other guy lined up at the end. And then in the middle, he transitioned to a conversation, which turned out to be an ad with this guy from UKG, which is a software SaaS company. And the conversation he had with this guy was very natural. Like you couldn't quite tell what this was. You, I couldn't figure out that it was an ad until I was deep into it. After listening to it for a good two minutes, I realized, oh, I know what this, this isn't. This isn't part of the podcast. This isn't. This is an ad. Yeah. I have to agree. Then, I was confused too. By the time I got to the third guy, I kind of lost it. Like I, I must admit, I had tuned out. So the the content from the um, from the final guest. Uh, regardless of how good it was, I found that I, I didn't connect with it just because I was so confused by this, this middle interview that, you know, that shook me. So that, that was, um, I thought yeah. that was disappointing. I, I don't know as a podcaster, what should you do? Right. You know, it so here's an interesting effective. point that just occurred to me too. When I first listened to the pitching episode, right. And then I, I took some notes and then when I was getting ready for this call and I was kind of going back through my notes, 
I had forgotten about the second half with Franklin. Yeah. And also I went, oh, that's right. He had the, the whole pitch idea thing. So I will say just from a personal experience thing, the first half resonated much more, was more memorable for me than the second half. And it may be partly because like you say, there's that big kind of gap in the middle where he goes off on this other thing and, and you do kind of detach a little bit, I think going, what is he talking about? Is this work life? Is this the podcast? Is this a new guest? Right. What's he doing? And then now by the second or third podcast of his that you listen to, you realize he does this in the middle. This is kind of his right, way right, of right. getting his advertising in, but trying to make it seem more like it's right. a part of the podcast, not just a break off, you know, make some money promoting something. Right. I yeah. mean, I did listen to it, but, um, you know, I think podcasters are, are in some cases, I, I like the fact that you can distinguish it from the, you know, from the actual podcast. I found it personally confusing. And so right. you, you didn't really know whether to hit the fast forward. <laughs> Yeah, do I go through ahead. this yeah. or not? Right, right. Should I listen and to this or really not? And then you really got to consciously think about whether or not you just end this and bring that other guest back and do a part two um, or whether you tack them on the end. I, I think he did a disservice yeah. to that guy at the end by trying to combine those two podcasts. Now, I appreciate, yeah. you know, you always make the point, just, you know, if you can't drag something, if you can't drag your podcast out to the 40 minute, 45 minute, you know, when, you know, whatever you typically do. Right. Um, Go ahead, cut it short, right? Yeah. You're better off to cut it short. In my opinion, the lesson is cut it short. Yeah. Um, end with your ad. You know, I, I think he had two guests that he felt he could combine on this topic of pitching. And so that's right. why he did both of them. And both parts by themselves would have been probably, you know, 20 minutes, right? And he ended up at uh, 40 minutes, right, with the two of them and the and, and I like it. I would listen to him. I think there's a unique space in podcasting for this kind of organize, you know, work, work life, organizational psychology type um, talk. So I, I like yeah. the, I like, there's so much I like about it. There's so much you know, opportunity for talking to different people. Um, you know, this yeah. has enormous potential. My advice to all podcasters is I should know exactly what I'm, if I'm going to tune into your podcast week after week, after week, after week, I, I my expectation is, I'm here for a reason and I should be getting what I want. And if yeah. you throw in the occasional curveball like a, a John Baptiste, I personally don't feel that that adds value to your podcast. Yeah. I think it detracts it. Um, well, and and maybe last... this was an experiment a little bit to see how many downloads he gets, what kind of feedback does he get? You know, I think that's okay. Um, also at times to just try something that's a little outside of the box and see, you know, how it resonates to just test the waters, if you will. So maybe what he finds is that, you know, uh, some people felt like us, that it wasn't really work-life related and John Baptiste was interesting. You know, that's my guess is that most people, if they've been listening to him, they listened to that one and probably went, all right, well, that wasn't my favorite episode, but it was good. But let's talk about his cadence because you talked about that kind of weekly, right? And we, we quite often, right, we talk about the importance of cadence and and consistency. So this one is interesting though, because he's basically, uh, this is a springtime podcast. <laughs> so he launched in February, 2018 and ran weekly until May. Then he resumed the next March and ran through May. Same thing in Feb, uh, February, 2020. Again, he ran weekly from, uh, from February until May and then stopped. So 
you know, three years in a row, he only ran it basically from like February through May. Okay. Then in 2021, yeah. He's obviously a professor and that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't teach during the Maybe he doesn't teach that semester. semester. And, yeah. And yeah. he fixed it and he fits it in. I mean, yep. I think that's clearly what yeah. this has been happening. Could be. I, I don't yeah. know that for a fact, but it seems like a logical assumption that his calendar is less busy in the spring for some reason and he can yeah. publish them. Or he's working on them the rest of the year and publishes them then. I don't know. Maybe he's pre-recording them and then you know lets them go while he's teaching. I, I don't know. But it's just interesting that he, you know, three years in a row, he published weekly during that period, but then not at all the rest of the year. Then 2021, he breaks a little bit from the pattern. He had an episode in January, one episode in February. Then he went weekly from March through July. So past May, he went all the way to July. And then in October, October into November, he had five more episodes. So the first time we've seen him uh, publish episodes in the second half of the year but then he took a break again and resumed here this year in march don't know exactly what he's going to do here the rest of 2022 as a podcaster you need to decide you know what why am i doing this right what is the purpose mm-hmm. if my main role in life is a university professor then what what is the purpose of my podcast is it if it's to get you know students in seats in my class then uh, you can build up a following. People know who you are. Everybody at the at the university wants to take your class because they've heard your podcast and they know you're a star. And so that's really accomplishing what you want. You do not have to do it every week consistently on Wednesday. Um, and in fact, we encourage people, you know, to absolutely fit it in when it when it when it fits your life. That that to me is yep. is I think he's I think personally I think he's doing it right because I think that he should be you know, doubling down on his success as a, as a professor and doing this on the side um, and then use, you know, utilizing his reputation again as an academic to, to, yeah. um, to push his books. I know, well, and you know, my guess Megan- is too, that in between those times, right, he's meeting people, he's identifying new guests, he's studying new angles on this. I'll bet he is a prolific reader. So yeah, so he's an academic, right? He's studying yeah. and and he comes up with new ideas. And, and I do kind of like that idea also of batching these and going, oh, okay, I'm inspired again. Let's go do a season, but I don't wear myself out by trying to do one every week for the whole year because then I don't have those gaps in which I can go off and get inspired and study new things and come up with new angles on this. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, and it's a great time. I mean, work life, obviously it lends to um, some really good sponsorships from uh, software companies like he has. So, you know, yeah. I know we, we, I like the name of the podcast. It's simple. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, exactly what it is. Two words. You do and, like those uh, and, simple and, and, titles. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Simple. Yeah. He's, he's very much like, uh, like Scott Galloway. I don't know if you know, Scott Galloway, Scott Galloway also does a podcast. He's a professor of marketing at NYU. He was supposed to do a CNN plus show, but CNN pulled the plug on it. it mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. In my opinion, it'll be interesting to see who has the longer career between, uh, between Adam Grant and Scott Galloway. I see them both as sort of equals in, yeah. kind of in this space. So yeah, a new angle I want to talk about here. We haven't covered this before, but the team. Like for us, we are the team. It's just you and I, yeah. we do everything, <laughs> you know, we do. But for somebody like Adam Grant, right, he's got folks behind him. And at the end of his episodes, he lists off the names. He doesn't give titles, but he lists off the names of the people that are that are helping him. But they were different 
people he listed, there, there was some overlap. So the first one was um, Cosmic Standard, and he listed uh, Eliza Smith. Uh, she's the CEO of, of Cosmic Standard, and Jacob Winnig, who I believe is a is a writer for him. Uh, I found uh, Jacob Winnick as a chief editor of Urban Legend. Uh, and then he had Hannah Kingsley, uh, who's a writer and radio producer, AJ Simpson, who is also a producer with Cosmic Standard, uh, Samaya Adams, project management uh, operations for podcasting, and then some TED folks, uh, Michelle Quint, director of audio, Ban Ban Chang is a, a screenwriter for TED Audio, and Anna Fellum is a is a programming director for TED Audio. And then he, he lists a fact checker, Maribel Desuthison. Sorry, Mary Bell, if I screwed your name up. And Hansdale Sue uh, and Allison Layton Brown, oh, the, the music. But then in the next one, we had a different group. So in the pitch one, uh, we actually had a team from Transmitter Media. So Greta Cohn, who's the CEO, Dan O'Donnell, um, he's a lead producer, Joanne DeLuna, uh, another producer from Transmedia, and Grace Rubenstein, who's a, uh, pod, a podcast coach and story editor. So I think this is interesting. It's good to have a team and have all these folks around who are contributing. And I would say Adam leverages these folks well, right? It'd be very interesting to get behind the scenes a little bit with him. I don't know if he'll respond to us as we do this review. Maybe he can share a little bit with his audience and ours about you know how he leverages these folks and how he puts these shows together, how much research goes in ahead of time and deciding and trying to find people and you know how they how they do this research uh, would be quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think the most important part about if you've got a lot of people or even if you don't have a lot of people working on your podcast, make sure that the names are you know in the notes and, yep. and everybody that contributes to it, you know include them and, and reference them and uh, you know people will see that. All right. Well, that was our review of Work Life with Adam Grant. We've got lots more reviews coming. So please subscribe so you never miss a review. Please respond to us on social media. We are always looking for feedback and try and engage with our audience. We want to hear from you guys. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. If you'd like us to review your podcast, please let us know. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. 